This season of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out, vlcmtech.com, to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcmtech.com. Cyber 24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support. All right, and welcome into another episode of Cyber 24. I'm your host, Marty Carpenter, joined today by really just the all-star panel. I don't want to say that I have favorites, but, you know, it's good to have all of you guys here. Anthony Boise from Sophos, uh, Paul Woodier from Sophos, and Matt Sorensen from Secuvant here with us this week. And, uh, guys, thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So I was wondering, uh, in light of some news that popped up this week, are you guys, are you gamers? Do you play, are you video game guys? I used to be. <laughs> I used to be. That sounds like someone who likes it, but his wife told him that he has to use it. Yeah, pretty much. Reformed, yeah. (laughs) Reformed, yeah. Yeah. When I started dreaming about the video game, that's when I realized I needed to kind of cut back a little. You get a chip like the... like the Alcoholics Anonymous, right? I've been sober from video games for so many days. Uh Matt, are you a gamer? Uh, No. I, I... Early 90s, it was the end of the road for me. Yeah. Yeah. The Super Mario Kart, kind of a... (laughs) Pre-Super Mario Kart. Pre-Super Mario Kart. Wow, that goes back. I think my last devotion of time to those were was Super Nintendo. Wow. 91, 94, maybe. Wow. So Super Mario right when I was 3, then. Right when I was getting two. into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just passed the baton. <laughs> yep. That's right. Paul, are you a video yeah, game had, guy at all? I had the old Atari 2600. You know, Excellent. Classic. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of got addicted to Plants vs. Zombies. I, I had a little addiction for a while, <laughs> but I've, I've been clean for a while now. Yeah. And I, I've played, like, <laughs> everyone. I've played what? Uh, Angry Birds, yeah. but okay. I never played Fruit Ninja, mm-hmm. and I'm a right. big spider solitaire. So when I need to decompress or or get off a little pressure, I'll do spider, four suits, yeah, because I like the pain. And <laughs> I've done Words with Friends. It's been a fun one. I'm not currently doing Words with Friends, but I have an account, yeah. and I've been playing it off and on for a few years. I, I have often felt like I am very likely the only person born between say 19. 19- 75 and 1985 mm-hmm. who did not beat the original Super Mario Brothers like mm. just never did I'm not <laughs> I'm not uh, evidently I'm not very dexterous when it comes to playing with the con you know with the little controllers and now my kids will play with them and I've sat down to play FIFA 
uh, or it's too complicated. Yeah, there's, there's like nine there's buttons. like nine buttons on the thing. Yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't beat Bowser. Are you kidding? I'm, I'm not going to do this. There's no no way. Um, <laughs> hey, and Atari, I, one button. Yeah, that's, one see, button, that's one stick. I mean, it was Like so, I've never tried the phone thing either. Like yeah. I, I don't know if they're simpler or not because of that. I just it never occurs to me to open a video game on my phone. That's why I do Spider and Words with Friends. It's simple. Like when I played football video games, you had like six plays. Now the playbooks are real playbooks yeah. from the real teams. <laughs> yeah, who has time for that, right? <laughs> and just watching it's like a chemistry dissertation. Yeah. I that was the one game I was good at, Tech Mobile, mm-hmm. the one where you could take you could play with the Bears and you could just take Jim McMahon and fade him all the way back mm-hmm. to your own <laughs> goal line and then throw the ninety yard touchdown mm-hmm. pass. That was the one move I've ever had. Little Bo Jackson in, in video there? games. Yeah, yeah. The Bo Jackson was unstoppable. Walter Payton was unstoppable mm-hmm. in like the original one and then Bo Jackson. In the subsequent one. Gen X geeking out. That's yeah. what we're doing right <laughs> yeah, now. That's right. <laughs> uh, how about Words with Friends? You guys ever play Words with Friends? You yeah, mentioned a yeah. couple that you don't play, but Words with Friends? I was both on uh, Words with Friends as well as Draw Something. Now, I haven't played those uh, for probably about three years. Yeah. But um, I'm still a little – I'm actually quite bitter about this because it's – they're 200 million accounts like ever had and – and uh, back when, my password uh, usage was probably not as disciplined as it is today. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a bunch of accounts that are sitting out somewhere that um, that I'm trusting are sitting somewhere safe and encrypted. And uh, I don't know, as it turns out, that it's not that case. Yeah, just to catch people up, for those who may not have heard the story. So Words with Friends, the developer, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, Zynga, Z-Y-N-G-A, uh, has, which, by the way, would be like, a decent password, Zynga. <laughs> it's got enough weird letters in it that it might need some. You need some numbers. I know everyone's looking at me cross. I'm just too joking. short. Too, too short. short. Uh, uh, has developed. Uh, or, or, uh, so this developer, Zynga, uh, suffered a data breach that uh, they say may have exposed player data to hackers. Now the hacker himself, herself, whoever it may be, uh, told the Hacker News that the database he accessed. They're saying he will say he included data of more than 218 million users, including passwords, names, and email addresses. First of all, I was just astonished that there were 218 million people who, who play Words with Friends. And I guess I shouldn't be. There are 7 billion people on the planet. I wouldn't think that all of them pl- have smartphones and play this game. But that seemed like a really high number um, and certainly kind of an eye-catching number to have that much data exposed. So what do you think? Do, you, do we believe the hacker? Is it really that big? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so words with friends and uh, and draw something. So it's it's the developer as a whole. So they, I mean, they've got multiple, they've got multiple, they've got games, multiple right? games. Yeah. And, and the draw something and, and uh, words with friends, they were sort of some of the first games that really uh, brought multiplayer, um, sort of cell phone multiplayer uh, interaction where I mean, I was doing it with my mum in Australia. I'd yeah. play a game with her. I'd do Draw Something and also Words with Friends with my mum. And I know that my mum and my dad, they still play it together, Words with Friends. Yeah. It's challenging. It's fun. and The gamification of social media. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a social right. community, and now instead of looking at each other's photos, we're going to play a game against each other. And right. it's a really fun way to connect. Yeah, it's engaging. I've just I've never had a game on my phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've oh, really? never had a game on my Try phone since like <laughs> since like <laughs> since Snake, I guess, on the old Nokia, right? Well, that's that the was last no time choice, around. right? <laughs> uh, well, just uh, to me, that's just an eye-popping number: two hundred eighteen million users. And this is different than like, you know, I, I guess that's a deep enough database that maybe they're in the situation that you hope to be in, Anthony, where it's old enough that it's old credit card or old password or whatever. 
it's troubling uh, that that high of a number. Uh, I wasn't surprised when I heard the news, uh, and I I have data breach fatigue. I, I don't get surprised anymore when I hear company X had a data breach. Yeah, the big numbers don't surprise me either. It's entered what some people call the Mike Tyson zone, right? Like anything could happen and it, you, yeah. you would believe it. Someone mm-hmm. <laughs> could mm-hmm. claim that Mike Tyson did anything and you'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm in on that. Dennis Same Rodman. thing. Yeah, yeah the, no, the, the number could be anything and you'd be right there with it. When them. you have that many records in a database, it's a really big database. And so it's really hard to just pick up and take away. So the hackers, they have the same bandwidth concerns we do at wherever we work or at home. It's going to take a long time to download. And I think some of the trouble with these kinds of incidents are if you're a company and you realize this has happened to you, you may not know out of that 200 plus million, which ones were copied or seen or, right. or looted. And in a weird twisted way, that's a bit of a comfort because if I'm standing in a crowd of 200 million people, I'm protected by large numbers. Yeah, sure. The, it's the, not very satisfying as a consumer to hear that, but right. The, the bad guys don't have enough time and energy to rip all 200 million of us off. Sure. You know, and, and it's one <laughs> of those like things that... Now, thank right? goodness. I mean, right? <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. I think so. It's like I mean, being, being chased by a bear with your friend, right? I don't have to be faster than the bear, just faster than my friend. Kind of right. Thing. Just don't be the outlier on it. The, the, the challenge is, I don't know if I used Princess 16 for my password on that one or 66, right? And, and I don't know what other accounts I've used, you know, um, Fluffy Bunny 12 or then my default Every, password. Everybody is no. definitely looking at you right now trying to figure out if that was really your go-to <laughs> password and how still long, might be. <laughs> how long would it take any really well-funded organized crime ring with a really sophisticated password cracking gear uh, rig to crack 280 million passwords. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to find I'm out. I'm curious on how much cracking was. Ne- I mean, there really wasn't anything mentioned in this article regarding encryption level or if, if they were at all. I Did mean, they get I, password hashes? Yeah, I, no idea. The, and the, the one that thing that is probably a little bit less sitting well with me is that uh, Zynga is offering additional support for players who are concerned about their data. I really don't care what my score is in either of those games. <laughs> what I care about is my email address and my password. Your credit score is the one you care about. E- exactly they? right. Yeah. And so, um, but they're offering assistance for anybody that has questions. Yeah. Now, here, here's here's what concerns a business manager. Did any of my employees use? Right. My work email address, matt.sorensen at secuvant.com, as my user ID in Zynga, words with friends, and did I use the same password? I put money on it. Okay. If I did that as an employee, now that's concerning for my employer because the bad guys crack my password, my password's a little bit weak, and then they can see where I work. And so they're going to take that cracked password, and they're going to come to secuvant.com and look for vpn.secuvant.com and try to log in. I have a friend who works for a really large um, genealogy company, and hackers will do this. And when you get large numbers like this, you're going to get some some lucky hits, mm-hmm. and people get in, and they impersonate your account mm-hmm. because they just used your, you know, John Doe at companyx.com. They yeah. went to the company and tried it, and it worked. Now, I, that leads me to think to places I've worked before and when they've, you know, when you get hired and you're onboarded, 
how often do they say explicitly or, or, or make it jump out amongst all the paperwork that you have, this is your email address for work, it's for work purposes it, only. It should be in your employee handbook as a policy. You don't use your employee email address for anything except company systems. Aren't you glad there isn't training for the fish to teach them how to avoid your hook and bait? Informational phishing is big business for hackers, and they love that your end users don't know how to identify it. Attacks have shown record growth in recent years, and a solid security awareness program is an integral part of any defense in-depth strategy. Lucky for you, Sophos has created a phishing attack simulation and training for your end users. Sophos Fish Threat educates and tests your end users through automated attack simulations, quality security awareness training, and actionable reporting metrics. So train your users how to avoid a hacker's hook and bait. Go to vlcmtech.com slash fish. That's vlcmtech.com slash phish. Don't you wish your kid's soccer team could have 12 goalies instead of one? Blocking malware, exploits, and ransomware is just like blocking a soccer ball. Sophos's Intercept X employs a comprehensive, defense-in-depth approach to endpoint protection rather than simply relying on one primary security technique. It's 12 goalies instead of one. Ranked number one in malware protection, exploit protection, security effectiveness, and total cost of ownership. Valcom and Intercept X will protect your most vital information. So get some more goalies. Visit vlcmtech.com slash intercept dash X. That's vlcmtech.com slash intercept dash X. There's a new report out that identifies U.S. retailers as a tar top target for cyber attacks. And some of the numbers were just interesting to me. 62% of retailers say they've experienced a data breach at some point in time. 37% saying they had a breach within the past year. There's a list of well-known companies. DoorDash, one of the most recent ones. The Equifax one, we've kind of beat that horse to death for a long time. Home Depot, Marriott, Target. I mean, Target maybe was one of the first kind of brought to public attention. But 62% of these company, retailers say they've experienced a data breach at some point, 37% within the last year. Um, and then 62% uh, say they plan to increase spending on security measures, but that's down from the year before. So that makes me wonder if there's like a false sense of confidence in the marketplace that uh, the difference between the 62% and the 84% that there are some businesses out there that said, we spent more on it last year, we've solved the problem, now we're going to put money elsewhere, or they think that they've got the appropriate mm -hmm. budget. Good news then that they're at least thinking that they've somewhat addressed the problem, or bad news that they're potentially lulled into a false sense of security, or impossible to answer because it's a very hypothetical question. Yeah, so I, I like to I like to think. Well, <laughs> I ask three three questions. The answer, sure, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, yeah, sure, Marty. Whatever. I, I, I like to think that um, the reason it's down is because people took action at yeah. the time of. So, for instance, sixty was it sixty two percent total? Yeah. It was um, interesting because two of the numbers, key numbers, were sixty two percent. Yeah, sixty two, and then and and thirty seven within the last year that have experienced breaches. I'm hoping that maybe there's a a 30% delta, they have done something about it and put uh, actions in place and, and whatnot appropriately. That's the hope. Uh, I also doubt that that's actually the case. So 
Uh, alarming, yes. Do I think that um, that they need to continue to fund? They could put their entire budget towards cybersecurity, yeah. their entire budget, and not do anything else. So I understand that there's a point where they have to say, when is security, like when is enough enough to be able to keep them safe for what data they hold and, and so on? And when can they focus on continuing to make money and, and so on? But as a consumer, as one who is probably involved in... Uh, in quite a few of these, Equifax, no choice. Uh, Home Depot, very good chance. Marriott, absolutely. My fitness pal was one. Yeah, uh, yeah. A year or two ago. Yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm there as well. Mm-hmm. Zynga, I'm yeah, there. my CrossFit app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me like, yeah, right, Cro- CrossFit, sure, sure. Said he never played a game in his life. <laughs> uh, no video games. This is a total CrossFit all the time. You know, all the time. Do, do breaches though with retailers? Do they actually impact? You guys are in the cybersecurity space, right? So you might be a little more hypersensitive to this. Does it actually impact your consumer behavior? Like, have you not gone to Target or not stayed at Marriott, or you may have regularly? I mean, you, you indicated, Andy, Anthony, that you um, were sort of a Marriott, of course, I think is what you said. So if you've gone to Marriott, have you stopped going because they were involved no, in No, I've it? got the Marriott credit card, yeah. and I'm going to continue <laughs> to stay there, and that's where... Yeah. I, but you would, do people stop going to that beach where that shark attack occurred? Yeah. There will be people there For a little while, week. maybe, yeah, but not, not everybody. Um, whatever, it was Nissan, I believe. Or, no, it was Toyota that had the accelerator problem, Correct. where the accelerators were sticking. Stick or catch I don't up. know that that's been a problem. Are people... A few people are saying... How many people will be concerned about flying on the Boeing 737 Max when it's back in production? There will be a few, but it generally we'll just assume we the have problem short memories. Blip, blip on the radar, or something. We trust. About it. We trust, yeah. and yeah. we trust our regulators. We trust the big companies and their deep pockets to fix these problems. Now, I've always taken some comfort in when a company like Boeing has to deal with life and death. They're going to spend spare no cost. I think of a password safe company. Uh, I I believe it was Dashlane a few years ago had a issue, mm-hmm. something they had to report and say we had a pro- a security problem. Dashlane is a security company. If they lose their security, they're done. Mm-hmm. They have a board of directors that knows that. Does Target in- internalize that? They do now. But does Zynga, did Zynga, did their board of directors internalize security the way LastPass does or the way Target does now? Probably not. Yeah. So, one, going through these horrible experiences makes a company stronger. Um, and two, as a consumer, I believe that I'm more safe now at Target than I am at, I'll just say yeah. one, right, yeah. who hasn't gone through that nightmare. Somebody's already experienced the pain. Yeah. They've fixed it. Because I've seen it on the inside. Safer than somebody. Yeah, I've seen company after company and what they do after these exposures. And and they do become much more formidable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Even on another note, though, I think there are a tremendous amount of small businesses that are failing PCI compliance. And the credit card company is completely okay with that. The reason why is because they are collecting basically a noncompliance revenue in the billions of dollars. And so even though they, they may have a breach and they're paying a fee, they'll cover that cost of the breach and that'll just go away. But in the back end, the credit card companies are collecting billions of dollars. So the amount of claims that they're actually getting against it 
they're still getting more revenue from the non-compliance. And so they're, they want to fix PCI compliance, but in another sense, they're okay that it kind of doesn't get fixed because they can continue to collect those massive fees. It's, it's a really weird situation. Same thing with on. cyber insurance. Yeah, yeah Why doesn't a cyber insurer do the equivalent of what happens to me if I want life insurance? Boy, if I want life insurance, I've got to meet with a nurse and take tests mm-hmm. and and, and, they always and take contribute blood. fluids. Are you crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't do that with cyber insurance much. Yeah. And why? I think they're just making too much money right now. They don't mm-hmm. need to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at some point, if we always say that you know, like data is the lifeblood of a business, or data is the new plutonium, or whatever we've talked about, um, it, it, there will be a tipping point on that. I would imagine. And and the frightening thing is is who is the who's the real like who's the victim? Uh, at the end of the day, the consumer, the the individual, their information has just been leaked, and you just have to be okay with it. Like there isn't really a great deal. I don't own my information. I don't own like at the end of the day, I just have to be okay that this happened to Zynga. I mean, what can I do? Okay, now I can literally open up my password safe and go and change. I guess I can do a search to find out if I've got any other accounts that have got the same password, but then I've got to go and change all these accounts, something that I may not have touched for a while or whatever it may be. But um, I'm now having a discussion at home with my wife because I actually care. And there's lots of people that will just be unaware of this even going on. And um, it's just creating headache and, and uh, causes some concern for me. At but least. you are getting free support from the company. I, well, <laughs> credit monitoring. And credit monitoring, again. <laughs> so I'm told. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't sign me up so for credit monitoring. So much credit monitoring. They will help me. <laughs> they'll help you if they have some, some – if you, if you really push the envelope, they'll exactly. come back. Well, right and I think that's why attackers have shifted tactics, as they always do. It's, a, it's an arms race. And so you attack a soft target, and that target becomes fortified and hardened in the future, so you shift and go somewhere else. The ability to rip off an individual consumer, one, is not as lucrative as sure. ripping off a wire transfer for a mortgage closing. And two, the the speed of detection and correction in these types of identity theft has improved. If you got identity theft victimized by that in 2005, you might have to take a month off work. Your life was ruined. Today, you know, especially if you have a LifeLock or another service, it's an inconvenience but it's not, it's not the death knell that it once was. And I see the attacks have shifted dramatically to business impersonation and getting in front of or in between uh, large money transactions. And there's even a shift into the material world with now there's a rising problem with package theft, rerouting mm-hmm. packages, penetrating into FedEx and UPS systems and changing addresses. Uh, and there may be different motivations, right? It, it's probably money laundering, getting stolen product and reselling them in a marketplace and converting one kind of dirty cash into clean cash. Yep. Interesting stuff, and it's ever-evolving. But mm. uh, I guess it's encouraging at least to see that as we have more of these breaches that more companies are saying, we got to prioritize this and how do we prevent ourselves from being added to that list of uh, companies that have been attacked. Because you know, we, we can talk about the damage uh, that it does to the bank account, to the bottom line. It, it's a reputation thing uh, as much as anything. You know, in, in public communications and your public relations, if there's going to be a bad story, uh, the trick is how do I contain that to being a single day bad story? And 
the, the nature of our news cycle anymore that used to be used to seem like it was so rapid in a 24-hour news cycle. That That's laughable now. I mean, we're almost, the story of the day is really the story of the hour or the story of sort of the morning and the afternoon and the evening. Um, you don't want, what you want to avoid then from a communication perspective is if you are DoorDash or Target or Marshalls or whoever on this list, you don't want to be the company that has the story that hits all day one day and all day the next and comes back the next week with some more and some more and some more. And you're, they have a, a great advantage because there's just so much news pumping out that our attention gets diverted from one thing to the other. But that's the real challenge is when something pops up, how do you protect that reputation? And that's a real element that I think it's encouraging to me um, to see companies spending more money on, on the tech side of things. And I think they could probably all do some work proactively it's a tough needle to thread to say, how do we let people know we take this seriously without making ourselves more of a target? Oh, yeah. You know, real interesting. I, something we can talk about on, on an upcoming episode is the uh, the way this reputation management becomes a part of this. That's one of the shows where I can sound smart and you guys can just <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll really flip the tables on it. You, know, you guys will probably be smarter about that than I am too. So We'll, we'll just play words with friends while you talk. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. That's right. Uh, it, interestingly enough, lots of people do that when I talk. So it happens. <laughs> uh, Anthony Boise and Paul Whittier from Sophos, Matt Sorensen from Secumont. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Thank you. Yes. All right, that's it for this episode. Final thanks to our presenting partners at Valcom for all of their support. I'd also like to thank our supporting partners who contribute to this program throughout the season. The Utah Department of Public Safety, the University of Utah's Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, our friends at Secuvant, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. Until next episode, I'm Marty Carpenter.